0: Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Um, hello, everybody. Um, I'm Dr. Beth Murphy, and if you've listened to any of my shows, you know who I am. Uh, for anybody that hasn't listened, I am a retired firefighter, and I'm a soc- uh, sorry, a psychologist in private practice now. Um, and I am I'm married to John Murphy, and some of you may have heard him. He's often up and talking about. Um, know, legal stuff affecting the fire service with um, a few of the other guys, Kurt Verone, Brad Pinsky, and Chip Comstock. Um, So they're a lot of fun. Sometimes I listen to them. And I think, oh, that would be a great topic for psychology. Um, And, and it's, uh, it's really interesting how much um, what comes up in the legal realm, has some pretty significant psychological um components to it, put it that way. Um, but that actually is not what I'm gonna talk about tonight. <laughs> um I as usual, I couldn't decide what I wanted to talk about. Um, and so I um thought about like conversations I've been having this week and just kind of stuff that has been coming up. Um stuff that comes up like for me personally and stuff that comes up for um other people that i talk to and and there was a couple things and and i'm hoping that i can uh mesh them together well enough that it makes some sense and will be useful so um the the first thing um that came up was I was having a conversation with the medical doctor at uh, the um, station to clinic. So um, they do all the um, uh, what is it the uh, 1582 annual um, medical exams. And, um, and so we'll have these conversations sometimes and I, I like talking with her because uh we think alike which is is kind of nice so we often will see eye to eye and we see some of the same um problems or issues or or you know things that we would like to improve on. And so we were having a conversation about um about a particular treatment center that um, somebody had brought to my attention. So it's a treatment center for, um, uh, like trauma and, uh, substance, uh, use and abuse. And, um, and so we were talking about that particular program. So, um, most treatment centers are, you know, like 30 days, um, and then they'll, uh, they will recommend extending it you know, by 15 days or 30 more days or whatever. And this particular one has a minimum of 90 days. And unfortunately, there are some people that I can think of, um, or, you know, people I've heard of, um, that would definitely benefit from something like that. So it's, it's like, and they, this particular treatment center, they talk about how um, the first 90 days is like, foundational um and it's kind of where they get at a lot of the stuff that's driving the mental health symptoms and um and then uh teaching and reinforcing a variety of different coping strategies and then they're addressing um you know like nutrition and physical health like working out being outside, uh, socialization, I mean, all the things that are important to be healthy overall. Um, And the doc said, it's just, it's just sad that uh, they have to get that bad and, and that we need to, we need to stop them, we need to intervene before they get that bad. and and that really is like what we're trying to do when when we're talking and we're trying to build a pro- program where they're addressing the physical health but also the mental health. And so right now a lot of it is um, interventional, and um, and so you know I hope eventually that we can move more into a prevention type. Uh, field, um, you know of course, deal with what may come up if um, somebody is really struggling and they meet you know one of these mental health diagnoses. But you know my goal ultimately is to get to the point where we're being proactive, <laughs> where we're providing um, preventional tools and and then and we're, and then we're catching and helping people sooner um if they are not able to help themselves. So I would like for us to get to a point where they're not going to a 90-day treatment center. Um, not like I really want to put them out of business, but yeah, I think I do want to put them out of business. Um, and and so this is this is a struggle. Um, it's a constant struggle. And and I have to say that I think that we've moved forward a little bit. So so that was like, that was one side. So that's one conversation. So it's about trying to get to people before they get that bad, before they're bad enough that they need to go away to a treatment center, um, especially when that is a 90-day. Um, you know, there's there's benefit in that, but they still have to come back and reintegrate. Um, So that, that was one conversation. And then the other conversation that I had this week, and it, um, I mean, I guess in some ways it pertained to me, but definitely to, you know, everybody I work with. And that is, you know, how do you know, uh, how do you identify what mental health uh, disorder is somebody struggling with, like, there's so much overlap. And, and so there's a lot of overlap. And then there are some very distinct differences. And even people in the profession, in the profession, meaning mental health, if they're not expert in the area, and they're more like a generalist, um, they don't always get it right. Um, And so, you know, the two areas that I'm expert in is in trauma, um, you know, c- acute, acute trauma symptoms. So, um, acute post-traumatic stress. Um, I guess it's like I mean, technically, you could diagnose PTSD acute, um, but that's you know, the, some people pass right through that. Like they experience it, but then they, um, they, they get better. On their own and they never get a diagnosis Um, so you know anything I think anything that is acute um, it actually fits better to call it an injury which is something that is um, being pushed for in uh, many of the fields where they uh, do deal with a lot of people that are potentially um, well where they're exposed to traumas and uh potentially dealing with post traumatic stress symptoms um so anyway trauma p t s d and then a d h d is um these are areas that I am expert in and um and so I will often see um like i i will see a d h d quite a bit in firefighters and you know some people will think well you struggle with it so you see it in everybody else and it's like well i i suppose <laughs> that, that there's truth in that but uh sometimes what comes to mind is like it takes one to know one sometimes um and it's like the more i learn about it the more i see how it manifests Um, and, and that's true of like any of the trauma related, um, diagnoses. So, um, you know, so it's like, so now I'm like, I'm talking like I have two different tracks in my head right now. So one is about the overlap, the similarities and the distinct differences of each mental health disorder and particularly the ones that we might see in the fire service. And then the other is, um, you know, kind of moving things into the place where we can move away from, um, the, uh, inter, you know, the intervention and, and get more into like a prevention or at the very least to catch people sooner. And so I, I think like in my brain, this goes together very well. Um, because I want people one is to recognize when they're struggling sooner and to be, um okay with asking for some help if if you need some help and some guidance, um, but also to help educate them so that they can maybe direct their own care a little bit um, when they do seek out a provider. Um, and and then ultimately to recognize um the difference and understand what they might be um, treated for. Um, and what might be appropriate to treat first, um, because that that is an area where sometimes um, I differ from like um, a psychiatrist even, um, because they may focus on something else and overlook what I see as being um, the real issue. So, um, So that's kind of what's been swirling through my mind a lot um so um well and then it's like and then i've seen a lot of firefighters with ptsd and um and as they're talking and i get to understand them and learn about them and learn about their history i start to see like oh maybe they have adhd now this is the thing about adhd is that it And I should say, so that's Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder. Um, And it's not the most accurate name for what it is. So um, it has been proposed that the name be changed to Variable Attention to Stimuli Trait. Um, Because it's not that people can't pay attention. It's just that they may pay attention to something else. So they have variable attention um and the interesting thing is is that uh the symptoms that we identify in ADHD um they can look a lot like what is identified in PTSD um also in depression also in anxiety um also in like an acute stress reaction um so pretty much anything that um that affects you, um, it can potentially affect your cognitive functioning as well. Um, and so this this kind of overlap and what I've been seeing has like kind of stuck in my head quite a bit. Um, and, and also how, um, because I do deal with a lot of firefighters that are filing worker comp claims, um, when they go to like their you know their normal doctor or a therapist, um and this is not true of all therapists, but um I've seen it in some, like if they're more of a generalist, um they will listen to what the firefighter is saying and then they will also often offer up a diagnosis of like depression and anxiety. Well, depression and anxiety um, is also a huge component of PTSD so um, and and there's you know those are uh, potential differential diagnoses or they can be comorbid, meaning that the individual can have PTSD as well as depression and anxiety. Um, and it would be more likely that depression would be present than anxiety itself in fact PTSD used to be classified as an anxiety disorder and they have um they changed that in the recent diagnostic manual so when we moved from DSM4 to DSM5 um they moved PTSD out of the anxiety um disorders so that it, it's like its own separate um category as a um an acute it's a acute response to traumatic stress. So um and and then as symptoms persist then it it can shift to PTSD. Um, so the problem is is that there's so much overlap and because there's so much overlap um and people may not know the differences um some people can get misdiagnosed and and it doesn't always mean that when they have ptsd they're misdiagnosed with depression and anxiety sometimes they're diagnosed with depression and anxiety and and they all their you know their treatment interactions with mental health professionals are along those lines and and this is glaringly important when somebody gets diagnosed with PTSD and they file a worker comp claim and it gets denied and then they're having to um fight for it and then the um the opposing party will bring up well you were diagnosed and treated with depression and anxiety and you know now you're saying it's PTSD and it's like well it was PTSD all along it just didn't get appropriately diagnosed. So, um, so what do we need to know about this? I'm like, what can I tell you that will help you so that you can be somewhat um, educated about this so that you can be a better advocate for yourself? Because this is an area that honestly is difficult for um, mental health professionals. I mean, if it wasn't, then, you know, We wouldn't have a lot of misdiagnoses. Um, you know, it's not like we can take an x-ray and go, oh, yeah, right there. I see I see a little fracture of uh, PTSD in there. Um, and it would be wonderful if we could do that, but we can't. Um, and And the problem also is that a lot of times individuals that are struggling, and maybe they are just at this kind of lower level where... They don't meet full criteria for PTSD, but they are in fact experiencing more of a um, kind of a depressive episode, or um, or maybe in, in, I see a lot of like an anxious depression. Um, it's pretty rare to see just anxiety. Um, usually, there's something else going on with it. But um, you know, it's like if somebody was performing living and they they were just fine and um and they didn't have a history of depression or anxiety um or PTSD then that person potentially could experience a lot of stressors you know traumatic stress and day-to-day stress and have some symptoms that are part of PTSD Um, but maybe more so of depression. And in that case, um, they may end up getting diagnosed with depression or they may not get diagnosed with anything because this kind of creeps up. It's a slow, insidious process often. And it's not until somebody else brings it to their attention or they start struggling with something at work or at home. so it's like if they are meeting criteria for something like depression or anxiety it's like it would be better to get them help at that point it would be better for them to reach out for help at that point um but also recognizing that if the depression is brought on because of what they're experiencing at work It is probably more likely that that is an acute reaction to traumatic stress, and so while it may not be PTSD, it would be um, like a well, it's a um, I always forget the diagnosis for the longest time. It was PTSD nos. (laughs) Um, I think it's unspecified now. So so you could have a PTSD unspecified and and that just means that you're experiencing those some of those symptoms but not all of them um and it, honestly i wish there was a different way to talk about it um because i don't like referring to it as a disorder uh but we do and that's the language that we have it's like that's the common language so it's you know the fire service has its language and its terms for it's equipment and it, um the the apparatus the tools the the calls the um the actions they take it's the same for um mental health so we we all our languages around disorders um so with that said <clears throat> it's like well what what do we really need to know so um i think to me it kind of makes sense to maybe work backwards a little bit so i'll start with like with ptsd that seems to be what people are most familiar with um i mean it's it definitely is what is written about and talked about most often in the fire service um i you know i have some feelings about that and that i think that it has contributed to um this idea that Um, You can't get help unless you have PTSD. And I think that that helps feed into um, why people are waiting so long before they do get help. Um, So but that's my opinion. And maybe one of these days I will write an article about that. But uh, right now it's just something that just floats around in my head. (laughs) Um, So. Uh, back to like PTSD. Well, first and foremost, like to get diagnosed with PTSD, you have to experience um, in some format um, a, a traumatic event, and there are um, they and the DSM five uh, defines what those traumatic events are. Um, so it doesn't include all of all of the potential events that do contribute to PTSD um like the ICD i think there it's we use the ICD 10 but i believe that um the rest of the world uses the ICD 11 i think that that's in effect now um they recognize um interpersonal traumas as contributing to uh PTSD so it's it's like they take that um they take they take it a little bit further so um people who are uh, bullied or um, uh, harassed in any way, discriminated against. It's like they often will present with the symptoms of PTSD, and if that is the case, we can't. I can't diagnose them with PTSD, um, or I can't attribute their PTSD to the interpersonal trauma because um, the DSM-5 doesn't recognize that and um and so also um the people that may be determining like whether this is um something that's work related or not um you know they don't they don't recognize it so if the DSM 5 doesn't state it then they don't recognize it either um but those interpersonal traumas that come along with discrimination and harassment um, even at a low level so um with any a mental health disorder. Um, there, like the development of it is a function of um, like, um, particularly PTSD, frequency, um, uh, duration, and intensity. So you can have, you know, one event that is of a long, intense duration so long duration and very intense and that could contribute to ptsd um you could have a lot of of um events that are um like kind of uh low level and you know so like when we think about interpersonal traumas it's like um a constant exposure to what we call microaggressions so it's um, those little actions and statements that um, can cause a person to have to expend a lot of energy to interpret it. Um, it's it's like these little jabs and little put downs, and they're often hidden by um, oh hey I'm just joking um, that, that kind of stuff. I mean exposure to that constantly, so you have like high frequency but low intensity um and and duration it's not that it has like one constant long duration but it's like if you're frequently experiencing it throughout you know the course of all year or more then um that can lead to a uh, development of ptsd um so anyway but the uh, back to like the trauma. so it's like most of the traumas that they recognize would fall under like it's part of it's part of your job um so um you know it could be like natural disaster it could be a fire it could be um any you know like violence um either witnessed or directed towards you and that's something i've heard a lot is um because a lot of the calls like Seattle definitely, but a lot of the departments, um, and I'm sure this is true across the country, um, there are a lot of homeless individuals and um and then also um you know substance ad- addictions and overdoses. Um and so there is a lot of violence that is perpetrated by some of the homeless people against the firefighters who are there. To help um and so that's you know that's part of the job but it also is something that happened to them um and then yeah there could be um you know like if for military um i mean so like military uh military um seeing combat um being a pow uh that's that's when uh, section also. Um so anyway, but there are it's it pretty much is any of those uh traumas that potentially would cost you your life um in some way, shape or form. And then it can be something that happened to you. It could be something that you witnessed happening. Um so uh like watching a vehicle in front of you get you know like smashed to pieces and, and, um, and then seeing what happens to the passengers. Um, it could be like learned about it. Um, this is something I know affects a lot of fire departments is like when you lose a member of your department, um, you didn't have to, you know, know that person closely, like, like, you know they may not have been your best friend, but it's somebody that you knew, and then you find out that they they died in some way. Um this is something that I've dealt a lot with here locally um because there have been and this would be for any department across the country is like you know when one department loses a member um and it's somebody that is like part of the larger um like a teacher or training community it it like their loss can affect a lot of different departments um and so losing somebody like that um that would be a learned about unless you were actually with that person and then that would be a witness um and then and i already said you know it's part of your job um uh and it's like the learned about it part is not like watching it on the news. Um, they, they made a distinction about that. Um, but I would say like, if you think back to nine eleven and, and those events, I remember being up and getting ready to go to work, going and going, I was going on shift. And, um, that event and watching it on tv it's like it had a profound effect on every firefighter so i i think that even though they say it can't be something that you have seen on tv um i have no doubt that things like that have an an impact um so um That's why when somebody's struggling, I always tell them, well, don't watch the news. (laughs) So I don't watch the news. I I watch it once in a while when I think I need to know what's going on. But um, when I've heard people's stories all day and um, heard what they've gone through and how they're impacted and how they're struggling, it's like, I don't want to watch the news. I used to watch horror stories because I liked that um i like to you know activating my alarm system and i don't do that anymore it's like i don't need to do that um so i recognize that those things are um not helping when i'm trying to calm down um and so i will advise people don't watch tv (laughs) so um anyway but back to the symptoms so um the trauma part it's like that's that's part of the job um whether you are recognizing um the particular traumas that you experience or not it's like it's part of it um it has an impact whether it's the biggest impact um i I don't know for some people it is for some people it's not um for everybody interprets um the traumas that they're experience a little bit differently we all have a different standpoint and that affects how we interpret things and how we and then all our experiences in the past inform how we manage uh what goes on today and how we're going to manage what is happens tomorrow so all of this is like very unique for each individual and so um, there's common language around it, but what that might look like could be different and how the person experiences experiences it can be different. So the, um, so the symptoms, so it's like you have the trauma, and so now the symptoms um, that you might um, experience, and most people know there are um, like intrusion, re-experiencing symptoms, avoidance, Uh, alterations in cognition and affect, meaning, um, cognition is your thinking and how you process things. Um, so there can be some issues with how you think and process and make decisions. Um, and then mood, uh, we usually see, well, we see a negative mood. I mean, if you don't experience a negative mood, um, at all, then, um, it's likely that it is not a, I mean, it's like you may have some symptoms of PTSD, but uh, without that, then you likely wouldn't meet that full criteria. But most often, um, by the time somebody comes to talk to me, they have experienced a lot of negative mood. Um, They will often talk about how angry they are or irritable. uh how they don't have patients um and and it may be that they recognized it but most often it's it's somebody in their household you know like their their partner or uh, a child um and i remember a story from fdic a while back and it was one of the um which is really funny, it's like I can't remember who had told me the story, but it was someone that was is pretty well known in the fire service community, and um he had told this story about his own uh struggle with uh p t s d and and coming uh you know face to face with it and having to do something with it, and he said that he didn't recognize he didn't see it. Um, and that's the thing is that it comes on really slow. Um, it's not something that you experience all at once. Um, it's not like you broke a leg, like, you know, when you broke a leg. Um, so it was this kind of slow insidious process. And one day his, I think it was his daughter, um, who, you know, little girl looks up to him and says, why are you so angry daddy? And, um, and that was it for him. Like he knew, he knew, um, and there was no more denying it. Um, and that's often how it comes around. Um, sometimes people lose everything before they come around. Like they lose their marriage, they lose, lose their house. They lose their relationship with their kids. They lose their, um, financial stability. Like they might still have a job, but you know, they go through a divorce, and they're giving up their house, they're pretty much giving up, you know, half their pension, um, or whatever, how, however long they've been married. And, um, and so they lose a lot. Um, and it's not until that, is it recognized? Um, well, I I'm gonna back that up. It's like, it may not be recognized at that point. Um, because Again, people who aren't expert in that and don't understand the fire service, they might see this person and diagnose them with depression and alcohol use disorder and maybe anxiety because they don't understand um, the firefighter. They don't understand that when you experience something that you know, shakes you to your core, whatever that is, um, you're not talking about it you don't immediately go and tell somebody, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Um, I did, (laughs) I'm, I'm a talker. So, um, I work things out verbally. And so I, I talked, but I was lucky. I had my husband who was in the fire service and I could talk to him and I could pretty much say anything. Now, you know, the fire service I was in and the fire service he was in there was a big difference um, because of like, when he got in versus when I got in and then him being a, a white guy, me being a woman, um, we definitely had different experiences, but you know, there's there's like kind of these larger commonalities. And so it was enough where I could talk and he listened and, and he got it. I mean, and even when, um, even when it involved uh, like discrimination. Um, And I mean, not so much, I would say harassment. It was more like discrimination. Um, Like he took the time to listen and to try and understand from my perspective. And I, I give him a lot of credit for that because when you haven't grown up, As a woman, (laughs) it's hard to really, like, put yourself in their shoes, so to speak, and experience what that's like. Um, But he tried really hard to do that. Um, And so I really appreciated that. So it helped me a lot to be able to talk. Um, uh, So, um, you know, it's like, I think, like, because I was talking some of the symptoms would have been made more obvious um, if they were if they were present and they were persistent. So, like the alterations in cognition and the and the negative mood, um, he would have seen that and heard that. But I would have been talking, and because I was talking things out, I would have heard myself say that. Um, and that's like you know one of the reasons why I kind of talk things out. Um, the um <clears throat> there can also be, and this is an interesting one, it's like inability to remember important aspects of the traumatic event. Um sometimes I think I had somebody tell me when we were doing an assessment, they're like, How could I remember what I don't remember? And um I I thought that was kind of funny, but it's like sometimes people will um like remember the event differently. And so, you know regardless of what you feel about, uh, you know, CISM and like doing a diffusing or a debriefing, I think one of the benefits of that is that when you come together and you talk about the event, uh, you get to hear um, different perspectives of that same event. And, and you, you may hear something that, you know, like you were part of that piece of the event. And, and so it kind of helps put the story together. Because if the brain doesn't have all the information, it will make stuff up. And, um, and so it's like, you may think you remember all of the event, but what you remember is the part that you were involved in, and then the rest of the story that your brain made up, of is often what that means. Um, and then sometimes people are like i don't remember um i mean i i like i shared with you my experience like with my seizure and then um having the tumor and the surgery and all that stuff um it's like there's a lot i don't remember and um and i I, it's something that like my brain's constantly going back to like look at it and go you know why don't why don't i remember um and I and I'm trying to just accept the fact that I don't remember. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's like I I'm trying to be okay with that, but my brain wants to know. <laughs> so and all that it can do is make stuff up, and I'm telling my brain it, that that's not okay. Um. So um. But the negative. So negative thoughts and feelings, and then distorted beliefs. Um. So I have seen a lot of people develop. Um, like almost. I mean, I don't really like this term, but it's uh, it often is one that gets thrown out there. But like a a paranoia, um, so they can get paranoid. Like people are out to get them. Um, the the department is out to get them. And you know, I hear some. You think about it on a continuum, and I hear a lot um, of this, like kind of played out like at a lower level, uh, the lower end of the continuum where um, uh, the common statement is, um, the department doesn't have my back. You know, it's like when, when they started their career, um, that they didn't go into the fire service with that attitude. Um, and, and it is true that there are leaders in the fire service world, that they're probably not the best leaders, and maybe they shouldn't be the chief of the department. Um, but whether they are or aren't, um, someone who's struggling with PTSD will start to feel like they're not like they're not good leaders, they're not supportive, they, you know they don't have your back. I mean that could be like anywhere from like you know your officer all the way up to the chief of the department. Um, and it doesn't mean that there's not truth in that, but it's definitely skewed um, by the experience of PTSD. So the person's um, worldview has changed. Um, and, and so a lot and then there's a lot of blaming and it might be blaming themselves or blaming other people, um, not for the event, but maybe kind of what happens after, um, because it often isn't the event. It It is what happens after. It's how you deal with it after, how you look at it, how you interpret it, how you process it. Um, and then along with that can be, you know, the loss of interest in activities, um, the uh, um, like anger, fear, horror, guilt, shame. Um, it, sometimes hopelessness. Um, helplessness. And, and that was interesting, because like, they changed the, the definition of PTSD. Um, in dsm four. it used to include that sense of helplessness. And, um, and they changed it, they took that out. Um, and, and I remember, um, at that time, I was like, yeah, I don't I don't think firefighters would admit to PTSD if it meant like like acknowledging that they were helpless. And um I couldn't be more wrong. I have heard a lot of people talk about how they feel helpless and it's it's mostly about um you know feeling helpless um related to like not having control of the situation not not having control of the aftermath you know it's like things are happening and they feel like they can't do anything to intervene in that um and i i've and i've heard that a lot so um so i i'm like i think you could probably put that back in um and then uh feeling detached from others um and uh not being able to experience positive emotions now a lot of these that i just said it's like these are present in depression as well um which is where we start to you know we're starting to see that if you don't really know um about trauma and ptsd and about the fire service then you can see that somebody is going to be diagnosed with depression if they're experiencing some of these symptoms. Um, and then the last one is like the hyper arousal piece. And so um, that is, uh, you know, that may be like, that is like irritability, um, having angry outbursts, um, behaving recklessly. Um, being. I mean, we often think about like being watchful and on guard um, for, you know, like something that's gonna go wrong or something that's gonna happen. Um, having problems concentrating, which is, you know, it's like we already have this alteration in cognition, but now we have this like hyper arousal piece that also contributes to difficulty with concentrating um, and then um, problems sleeping. And it's like, if you're not sleeping, then all these things get worse. Um, and then and there's a lot a lot of kind of like body reactivity with this last one and um and then like kind of this um fear or foreboding so this is stuff that you can experience with depression and also anxiety um <clears throat> so um so there's a lot that that goes into this um as far as like you know what what those signs and symptoms might be and how they might play out um how it might look in people can be different and then how they get diagnosed when they do go get help really depends on like what the most prominent issue is um or um well and of course the expertise of the person they go to um so now i'm going to move to depression and so the symptoms that we see in depression um you know the first thing we think of is like feeling um sad or depressed but sometimes people don't feel sad or depressed they feel nothing like they feel flat they feel empty um that's something i've heard from people with ptsd because it's like if you're experiencing something that is intolerable then you might shut down because you don't want to feel it you don't want to feel uncomfortable and it's part of our survival mechanism to uh, avoid what doesn't feel good so if we're experiencing things that um, doesn't feel good then our brain is going to react to that and and it might shut off feelings and so then you become flat or empty um loss of interest or pleasure in activities once enjoyed that is that is in ptsd as well like um you know you you pull away you don't interact it's like you don't have energy anymore you don't have that interest um change in appetite uh, weight loss or gain um trouble sleeping Loss of energy, Um, I hear a lot about loss of energy and sleep um, and fatigue. I mean, it's like that's kind of part of the job. Um, If you're running, you know, I don't know how many calls during the night and you're not sleeping, um, of course you're gonna be tired. And and being tired is like probably one of the most prominent symptoms of depression. because depression feels low it feels unenergetic um and so um you know anybody who's experienced depression and recovered when they get tired um it would be normal for them to immediately think oh my gosh i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna i'm getting depressed um and that's not the case you're just tired. um and then there's um uh you know increase in purposelessness physical activity um so you might see like uh, inability to sit still pacing um fidgeting uh, hand wringing um i mean basically you just can't sit still anymore so we'd see that in um ptsd with the um you know like the that activation that we have in the body and then in um in just like any way to try and avoid what we're you know avoid feeling what's unpleasant. Um feeling worthless or guilty that again that's a similar symptom in PTSD um particularly like the, the guilty piece but there is a lot of that uh worthlessness when you experience PTSD, um, because PTSD interferes in your ability to do the job. And when you can't do the job, then that's where you feel that you're worthless or you start to um, feel like you don't have purpose. Um, and, And so anything that gets in the way of being able to do the job in a way that you feel competent is going to contribute to that sense of worthlessness um and uh difficulty thinking concentrating or making decisions well oh, we just like said there there it is it's in depression it's in ptsd um and then thoughts of death or suicide um, that's that's present it's not explicitly stated in ptsd but it's like you you know the job is one where you see death, and um, and maybe you make jokes about death, um, and then we know from um, everything that has been talked about, and and the the data that's been collected by uh, Jeff Dill and the Firefighter Behavioral Health Alliance, we know that suicide is a huge problem in the fire service um and so it's like pretty much every symptom that is in depression is present in some way with PTSD and so if somebody comes in with PTSD and they and the person they're seeing is not familiar with the fire service and they're not you know expert in trauma and PTSD they're going to diagnose the person with depression and then they might throw in anxiety because um of the the um the hyperarousal and reactivity piece of PTSD um so you know it's like so we're seeing people get diagnosed with depression when they really have PTSD um And it's not like I wanna like diagnose everybody with PTSD. I mean, I think that people do experience depression and it might be something that is more of a, um, like, I don't know, maybe it's, it falls under more of like an adjustment disorder or an acute stress disorder. Um, You know, something where, they're just having a hard time dealing with some uh, what happened and so they're having some symptoms that are difficult to manage Um, and it's like that's when we would like to see people but we also want people to be educated that it's normal to have a stress reaction when you experience a traumatic stressor you will have a stress reaction. And so a lot of the things that are present as symptoms in PTSD, you will experience at some level, but it will come, you will experience, and then they will go away. Um, And a, a lot of people at any one time may have met criteria for PTSD, but it resolved on its own over time. And that's not to say that there's no residual of it, um, there might be some but it's not um, meeting full criteria and it's not disrupting their life um, So we talked about that we talked about depression and then just looking at anxiety I mean most often we see and um, people will see like a general anxiety. Um, sometimes people have um, like social anxiety uh, where it's difficult for them to be around other people and they can you know they'll do everything they can to avoid it or they'll get tongue-tied if they're out among people if they don't know what to say they might start sweating um sometimes people have um uh, phobias of things that specific phobias um that can be uh interfering um so like fear of flying or fear of spiders fear of snakes um if you uh, fear of the outdoors. I mean, if you have those fears, um, and they interfere in your functioning in, um, you know, uh, your personal life, school, work, something like that, then you might get diagnosed with that specific phobia. Um, but you can have a fear or a phobia, and and it doesn't disrupt what you do. So it's like I have a fear of spiders or not so much now um having a seizure i don't know why but it changed my brain so i'm not afraid of spiders anymore i don't necessarily like them they can still surprise me but um yeah i mean having that fear of spiders it didn't make me stop doing things like i didn't avoid like being outdoors in the trees i am surrounded by trees there are so many spiders um and we We have a, an understanding they stay outside and I kill any of them that come inside. Um, but it's like that fear doesn't restrict what I do. Um, so if, if you have a fear and it restricts your life, then it's possible you would be diagnosed with that particular phobia. Um, so, uh, with, um, now I was, I was talking about anxiety. So, Anxiety you're gonna have this um uh, like a uh, rapid heart rate i mean so it's it's like a lot of the stuff that you experience with p t s d definitely you're going to see in um generalized anxiety disorder, so can they have you know rapid heart rate you may feel like your heart's pounding out of your chest um you may sweat um you may like find that you're trembling or shaking, um, and that is like a an after response to like a getting a dump of adrenaline. Um, so, like when you are faced with something life threatening, like you would during the course of your job, then you're going to get that activation of your um, alarm system, your fight flight system and so you may find that you're trembling or shaking after like after you do whatever it is you're supposed to do you may find that you're shaking um and this would be part of um you know like a of an anxiety disorder or like moving into a panic disorder anybody's had a panic attack um so there's a lot of like worry and tension and um and a lot of physical symptoms like the heart rate increases the sweating the shaking um feeling restless um so being fidgety not being able to sit still this is what we talked about with ptsd um feeling on edge um easily fatigued difficulty concentrating uh problem sleeping um It's like, these are all symptoms that you see with PTSD. Um, And then, you know, like if we move more towards like a panic disorder. So um, I know many people have experienced a panic attack Um, in the fire service. It's like, I'm sure you can think about um, the many calls that you've gone on because somebody called thinking they were having a heart attack, but really it was a panic attack. Uh so that you know same thing that I mean it's like this increase in heart rate, the sweating, the trembling, uh feeling short of breath, um, and maybe breathing fast and shallow, um, experiencing chest pain, feeling dizzy or lightheaded, um, feeling of choking, having numbness or tingling, uh maybe maybe um chills or hot flashes, nausea or abdominal pain, um, feeling detached fear of losing control, um, fear of dying. And it's like, these are all present at some level in PTSD. Um, So you can see why someone might diagnose an anxiety or a depression and not PTSD. And I've interacted with many mental health professionals That are comfortable with diagnosing depression and anxiety and ADHD and uh, adjustment disorder, um, but they won't diagnose PTSD. And um, rather than refer the person to someone who would diagnose it, they go with a diagnosis of depression and anxiety. And so then down the road, you have. And you may come across an issue where now you've been identified as experiencing PTSD and you may have filed a worker comp claim because in Washington state, PTSD is presumptive for um, first responders that have been in 10 years and over. Um, so um it means that now you might have to work a little harder to support the diagnosis of ptsd so um so it could be it could be a problem so what can you do about it um recognizing that when you go to get help it is probably at a point where you are really feeling the symptoms and, and you're probably really affected, um, cognitively, um, you may not be the best advocate for yourself. Um, and, and this information, you may, you may have it tucked away somewhere, um, but you may not be able to access it, but I'm hoping that rather than get that bad, you will seek help before that. Um, so for you, um, one of the biggest things to, to know about all this is there's a lot of overlap. Um, oh, I didn't even really talk uh, about ADHD. Um, I will mention that, um, in a second, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of tie the anxiety, depression, and PTSD up first, before I talk about ADHD and the overlap. with um with the three um there's there's the overlap um it's commonly misdiagnosed and um what you need to know is that yes there is that overlap but the biggest distinction is for every disorder that can be diagnosed like one of the criteria at the bottom of all of it is um You know, like one is it has to disrupt your life in two or more areas. So it's like work and home. Um, And uh, and because if it doesn't, then you wouldn't necessarily get diagnosed. Um, The other is that it can't be better explained by another disorder. And this is what uh, where um, other providers may fail, is that they don't think about that last one. And so if you present to a mental health professional or your general practitioner or whoever it is, and you have these symptoms of depression and anxiety, then they need to ask you, where do you work? <laughs> um, and if they know, then they need to ask you, um, so are, have you experienced any traumas? Um, it, you know it's it's like it, that because that's the piece that often is missed. So if you present with depression and anxiety symptoms, and you've experienced a multitude of traumas, either a either it's happened to you or it's part of your job, then in all likelihood, what you're experiencing is PTSD. And and it is that experience and it's that exposure to a traumatic stress. That is the biggest difference between PTSD, anxiety, and depression. And so if you have the depression and anxiety symptoms and the trauma, then it is more likely that you are experiencing PTSD and and if your provider is not um i want to say like not well versed <laughs> in this then um they will likely not diagnose you with PTSD um and and it may be that they they're not comfortable doing it and it's like well that's fine um If you have a lot of stuff going on and you're developing symptoms of anxiety and depression then it would be better for them to diagnose you with an adjustment disorder Um, because an adjustment disorder is meant to be short term it's like you're exposed to something you've experienced something something's changed and you can't deal with it and so you can um, see these symptoms of anxiety and depression in that attempt to adjust to whatever that change is. And so if um, your provider diagnosed you with adjustment disorder, then the understanding is that it is a somewhat short term. Um, So it's generally, the expectation is that adjustment disorder would last for six months, um, it can last longer if there are um, like a continually changing, like if it's a dynamic situation, then you might see um, adjustment disorder be like more of a longer term uh, diagnosis. Um, but it's not necessarily an appropriate diagnosis when PTSD would be, but it's one that we expect to see change. And so, um, if they were going to diagnose you with anything, which if you're using insurance, they're required to diagnose you, then adjustment disorder would be the one. I mean, if they suspect PTSD, but they're not comfortable making that diagnosis, then they can put down adjustment disorder with uh, mixed uh, depression and anxiety. And, And that would fit and it won't, Derail your attempts down the road at getting, um, at filing a claim and having it accepted. Um, but I would rather see people actually diagnose what's appropriate <laughs> um, and treat it appropriately. Um, so um, then the, I think the last thing was just kind of like the overlap um, with like ADHD. Now, you might be going well adhd is really no big deal but it really is (laughs) um adhd is very disruptive to an individual's life and um and people with adhd tend to gravitate towards certain fields and one of them is the fire service and that is because it is um it has it has some structure but it's not it's not the nine to five it has um, some excitement. And then it's got some, you know, like mundane, boring things. But um, it's like, even even the calls that might be the same, it's like, there's still a difference. So I mean, there's this constantly changing stimuli. Um, so there's a lot of variability there. And it can be exciting. And it could be boring. Um, I mean, it can be a lot of things. And that's something that appeals. To um, the ADHD brain, um, so a lot of times, um, and and I I've, I've seen this. Um, so, well, let me let me tell you if you're not familiar with ADHD. So we it's ADHD, and then we specify whether it's um, inattentive or um, hyperactive or combined. And um, a lot of the symptoms with um, ADHD, um, it look a lot like what you might see um, with like anxiety and maybe some, um, and then some of the things that you see with depression, Um, because ADHD can make an individual feel different. And, um, and they can uh, make mistakes. Um, which then might contribute to them being like, um, like perfectionist. Um, So you might see somebody that you would say is like type A and type A doesn't mean you don't have ADHD. It might mean you do. Um, It's that you've like just adapted. Um, But it's, um, It definitely affects your ability to think, so um, you know, like uh, your memory, making decisions, uh, planning, organization. Um, I mean, that's just kind of the the base part of ADHD, and then um, there can be like some hyperactive components, um, where you're, you know, like it could be like cognitively, where you, you know, have trouble concentrating on any one thing, and you jump from thing to thing to thing. Um, it might be that you can't sit still. Um, and so you're always fidgeting or hand wringing (laughs) where we heard that before. Um, or, um, or, you know, always playing with a pin or always moving your feet, or it's like, you know, you can't sit still, um, uh, there's, um, on the assessment that they often use for ADHD, there's a question on there that is like, how um, how often do you feel like you're driven by a motor? Um, and people are like, I don't feel that way. Well, it's like pretty much every firefighter I've ever talked to that is struggling with PTSD, that would be something that they describe because they can't sit still, they have to be doing something part of that is the brain's attempt to distract you from what you're experiencing um some of it can be you know you consciously choose that some of it is you're just driven to do that and um and so that one is often um i mean it's a symptom that could be adhd but it's a symptom that could be um, PTSD. And so there are a lot of times where somebody gets diagnosed with PTSD because they they have all these symptoms that actually meet criteria for ADHD, and then they have the trauma piece. Um, And then they might also experience depression um, because um, that also is, is present in some way with ADHD, and it's not so much a symptom, but like a side effect of having the symptom. Um, and so, um, and it's possible that you can have both. So having one disorder doesn't mean you are immune from developing anything else. So um it is all these things can be comorbid meaning they can exist together uh, it's just that uh PTSD is often not diagnosed because for whatever reason people don't feel comfortable diagnosing it um it is also possible that it it might be overdiagnosed um as far as like meeting full criteria of the disorder um I would say that a very high percentage of firefighters experience some of these symptoms. Um, The number of firefighters that may actually meet criteria, I don't know. Um, The numbers are all over the place for that. Um, You know, it's like I think I've read um, some research that has put it as low as 4%, and then I've seen some that's been. Over fifty percent, um, but I would I would agree that over fifty percent have experienced some symptoms, um, and and they may have some persistent symptoms. Um, I tend to believe that the number that meet full criteria is lower. Um, maybe more than 4%, but I, I think it's on the low side because I believe that firefighters in general are quite resilient. Um, and, and that is why I do this. Um, because I want people to be, uh, educated a little bit. I want, I want you to have an awareness. I want people to come get help when they're struggling a little bit. Or better yet, if they want to come and get a baseline and, and like make sure that they have adequate coping strategies. And, and I do believe that most people that come into the fire service have adequate coping strategies. It's just that if you keep doing the same thing as you're exposed to different things, eventually those can be overwhelmed. And um and you need to have more. You need to have more tools. And so, you know, coming in to to learn like what else can I do? Or or learning how to process things, uh, being okay processing things. Um, it's okay to shut and I don't know if I want to say it this way, but it's okay to be on a call and kind of shut down emotions um as like most firefighters will say they compartmentalize so that's okay but you have to take it out and look at it when you're done and process what it is because you need to be able to incorporate that experience into all your other experiences so that it is useful for you for the next experience and anything that you compartmentalize and don't go back to, it is not going to be stored appropriately. And so it's important to come back to it and look at it and acknowledge it, acknowledge whatever negative thought might go with it, acknowledge whatever emotion you might feel with it, Um, acknowledge how it makes you feel in your body. Um, If you can do that, then there's a good chance that you will never develop PTSD. Um, you know, it's not a guarantee that you won't. Everybody carries a lot of other stuff with them. Um, but being able to face it and sit with that uncomfortableness and to learn from it, it goes a long way. So it's it's not so much what happened to you, but what you do with it. Um, so that kind of goes back to that. And I feel like I wanted to say more about ADHD. Um, it's just that I've seen a lot of people misdiagnosed. Um, I've seen it missed. I've seen I've seen it um, you know, they've been told that they don't have it. Um, it you know it's like, if it doesn't get diagnosed in childhood, then a lot of doctors won't diagnose it in adulthood um, because they look at it like, well, if you really had it, you would have had it when you're a child. Um, but it's like, that's not true. It's like you may have had it as a child and for whatever reason it wasn't picked up. And, um, and then as an adult, it's not that you d- suddenly developed it. It's that you are now under a lot more stress and having to use a lot more of your resources and it means that then the symptoms that you experienced when you were a child and maybe you were able to um, adapt and find a way to um, work with what whatever was coming up um and now, it's coming up, and you can't do anything about it. Um, so it's like your resources are overwhelmed. Um, I recently had somebody that I ref- that I diagnosed with um, PTSD and with ADHD. Um, and while I I understand that PTSD can have some very severe cognitive symptoms um, or some. Uh, severe cognitive uh, dysfunction that comes along with it. Um, there was like a pattern of cognitive dysfunction that really sounded a lot like ADHD. and when I asked about childhood, it fit. So that is something to know about that is that if you did not have any symptoms present when you're a child, you don't have it now. <laughs> and you may not know like, well, what would that have looked like? Um, so I I listen for and ask questions about, well, how did somebody do in school? Um, some very smart people can have ADHD and they can do well in school, but they may say, well, I, I got really good grades um, and I worked really hard. Well, that is an indicator of like, hmm, maybe I wanna ask more questions. Um, and then I will ask more about like, well, what was their favorite topic? Like what did they do really well in? and it felt like they didn't have to work? And what did they struggle with and they had to work? Um, because with ADHD, there's always going to be something that you like, and when you like it, you're going to focus on it. Um, so they may tell me like, oh, I was really good at math. It came easy. but it's like,, ah, reading, that was kind of hard or um yeah i really didn't like physics or whatever it was um they may they may say that there was something that they struggled with um the other thing is like they may get uh comments on their report card and they may remember um that they got comments like um not working to potential um uh, they may remember just flat out being called lazy um they may remember themselves making comments of like, why, why does everything come easy to everybody else and I have to work so hard? Um, uh, there may be comments, of toxic ex- excessively, uh, doesn't stay in seat. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's like, they may not, uh, remember like what they were like in grade school but they will likely remember some comments that was made when they were younger and all those comments that i just shared it's like if you remember hearing those when you were a kid then in all likelihood you had adhd and so like what you present with now um fits with adhd and with the presence of those comments as a child, then that means that you likely are experiencing ADHD and you're experiencing now because your resources are overwhelmed. And so now you're having to work a lot harder. And so you may have some of the cognitive deficits that come along with PTSD um, or depression or anxiety. Um but it's like more. Um so uh so that it, it may mean that you don't get the diagnosis of ADHD because you are struggling with these other disorders. Um or you may not get diagnosed with these other disorders because it, the ADHD gets focused on. Um, but again it's like PTSD stands out from all of them because it has that exposure to trauma. Um, the last thing that I'll say about ADHD, because this is something that came up um, and it's, it's something that I've, I've learned over the years as I've um, dealt with my own ADHD and as I've learned about it, um, a lot of times um, someone with ADHD will experience depression for instance or and and or anxiety and a lot of it has to do with um adhd and how it interferes in um our success um feeling you know feeling part of because you can very much feel like you're um disconnected which is also something that you see in ptsd and depression Um, but it's like you're not part of me you know, because you think a little bit differently um i think a good way to look at it is um i use a macbook and uh adhd the adhd brain is like a macbook um and then everybody else around is a pc and and most people expect you to operate like a pc and a macbook does not um it it is a little different. It does the same things, it just does it differently. Um, you can't run, um, you know, like Microsoft software on your Mac unless it has been specifically made to run on your Mac. You can partition your Mac and run a PC operating system on half of it, but that takes up a lot of room, it uses a lot of energy, and it's not as efficient. Um, as like operating as a PC, if you're a PC, or operating as a Mac, if you're a Mac. Um, so um, so it's like, what that all means is you could feel very different. <laughs> and, um, and so when you finally get to that point where you can get diagnosed, um, you may be struggling with depression. So I've seen a lot of people go to get help for depression when their depression was caused because of the adhd and um and this is like where this really came up is that the individual that i referred um they found um, a doctor that you know he talked to about the um, the ptsd and the depression and the adhd and um and the thing that was The thing that he was struggling with the most was the cognitive pieces as it related to adhd um and so the doctor wanted him to get treated for the depression and the the doctor wanted to treat the depression for a little while and see if the cognitive symptoms improved and and they might have but it wasn't going to solve the problem um so A lot of times it's appropriate to treat the adhd first and if you treat the adhd then the depression may go away because the depression may be the result of having the adhd um and so it's like knowing knowing what it is and being able to parse it out and recognize what is different in each one and um and sometimes the different the difference isn't Huge and not glaring. But the one thing about PTSD is it has the trauma. And if somebody says that you have depression and you have anxiety and they ignore PTSD, then they're not diagnosing you appropriately. Because if you have depression and anxiety and you're a firefighter, you more than likely meet criteria for PTSD and that would be the better diagnosis Um, and it will get you the treatment that is appropriate for that um and then if adhd ends up in the mix it can look a lot like all those other ones (laughs) Um, and the way you distinguish the adhd is by looking back at your childhood and your and how you were in school basically um there's like no blood test for it um there's no um real assessment for it it's um you know it's it's a a self report inventory and then a history and and that is really true of the other ones as well it is a history and the presentation so um if you find that you're struggling then um, if you're struggling even a little bit, then then get help, get help sooner than later. Um, you know, I would rather work, well, I shouldn't say it that way, but it's like, it's nice to work with someone who is experiencing some of the symptoms of PTSD. Like they're more that acute stress reaction symptoms and maybe they are experiencing some depression because of that because when there are changes that we can't deal with um or we're having difficulty dealing with and we're tired on top of that um then that feels like depression to a lot of people and it's identified as depression by a lot of um providers and practitioners so um it's important um I think it's important, regardless, to get in and get help, and um, and hopefully, um, you will know enough where you can kind of help your provider understand where you're coming from and what is contributing to the symptoms you're experiencing, um, so that you can be appropriately treated, um, and. Uh, I think I think that's it. Um hopefully hopefully this was helpful and it made sense. I mean this kind of came about because of several conversations this week. So um I'm hoping that it helps a little bit and um and that you will be able to advocate for yourself when you need to and that you will get help sooner than later. Um this, none of this means that you're weak. Um, people go to great lengths to not face this stuff because they don't like the way it feels. And and there's often a fear that if you face it, you're not going to be able to deal with it. And I'm like, if it is so powerful that you can't deal with it, then it's like, how does that make you weak when you admit it and you deal with it? Um it takes a lot of strength to face it um if it was easy everybody would well i probably wouldn't be here if it was easy everybody would have figured it out and um i wouldn't be needed so um so uh if you need help um you know you can you, know, you can always reach out to me and ask questions um and uh and and or find somebody um close to you that you can talk to and and kind of uh bounce things off of uh talk to the person that you work with, talk to your significant other um you know don't be afraid of of facing and acknowledging what you're experiencing um everybody experiences something like this to some degree. Uh, so, um, I guess that's it for tonight. (laughs) So, um, I think this was probably a long one. Um, and I apologize for that. And, um, I hope that you found it useful and, um, have a great night or a great day whenever you happen to watch this. (laughs) So take care.